0: Have you ever wanted to work in a flying ICU? Or maybe you're just passionate about saving lives. Right now you can realize your dream by applying to work for one of the best teams in the air medical industry. Air Methods is currently hiring qualified flight nurses, medics and mechanics to join our air medical team. Check out our new salary and benefits packages. Visit airmethods.com careers and apply today. That's airmethods.com careers.
1: This is Second Shift.
0: Happy hey. MES week, everybody. It's great to see you. Thanks for jumping on with us for a little bit. I'm trying to troubleshoot. I don't think that did it. Nope. Yeah. I can hear it now,
1: too. Do you still hear it? Yeah. It sounds like you're like a PA announcer at a
0: baseball game.
1: Now batting. No batting. Number 23.
0: No, you got to you gotta do it better. Now batting. Number 23. Ritu Sonny. Is that? I feel like that was better.
1: That was probably better. I don't know. I mean, were you the PA announcer for anything?
0: Oh boy, here we go.
1: Humble brag. No, were you? Yes. Oh, what did you do?
0: I was a high school basketball PA announcer. Oh my gosh. I know. I wouldn't that's not very like you need something that like baseball or football. That
1: was basketball, but I did the the big the big claim to fame is that. My high school team, we played at a Pistons game. We played like before a Detroit Pistons right. game and they were playing the Celtics and that was the eighties with the bad boys and the Celtics and it was a big rivalry and so mm-hmm. the place was sold out and it was at the Pontiac Silver Dome, so there's like fifty-five thousand people there. Wow. And for our high school game, there was um you know, there were like thirty-five thousand people and
0: I was like, you're Green Hills griffin what was the name of the team again?
1: I went to Ann Arbor Green Hills, the Griffins.
0: So awesome. So I'm trying to figure I'm trying to figure this out. For those of you that are just jumping on, thank you. Some of you have an echo, some of you don't. I do EMS Week. It's EMS Week. Do you know what? Today, you know, each day of EMS week's got a theme. Right. Do you know what do you know what today's is? Let's see how much you're paying attention. Stop the bleed today. It is. It is. It's stop the bleed or save a life or whatever they call it. That's right. I got to tell you, gold star for you. That's right. But did you know that this is the 46th annual EMS week? I did not. It is. Do you know something about the history of EMS week, Mike? Well, I just know that in 1974, President Gerald Ford sort of authorized DMS Week to be its thing. Actually, I'm just Michigan reading grad. this. But I'm just going to do that to make it easier. I was trying to like Michigan. pretend like I was a teleprompter, but it wasn't working. So let me just tell you: May 16th through the 22nd, 2021, is the 46th annual national EMS week in 1974, president Gerald Ford authorized EMS week to celebrate EMS practitioners and the important work they do in our nation's communities. This year's theme is this is EMS caring for our communities. The national association of EMTs partners with ASAP to lead an annual EMS Week activities together and AEMT and ASEP are working together to ensure that the important contributions of EMS practitioners and safeguarding the health, safety and well-being of their communities are fully celebrated and recognized. So there you go. 46. There you go. And I will be a Michigan man to get that done. Well, yeah, that's right. right. Famous alum. (laughs) That's right. I'll be 49 tomorrow. Tomorrow's my birthday. I know I was just
1: going to say happy birthday to you. You're Thank getting you. 1 year away from that magical one.
0: I know I'm trying to we're trying to figure out what we should do and I need, I need to get your opinion on this a little bit cuz Michelle and I obviously we're turning 50 next year. She's in February, 50 I'm in is May. great by the way. Yeah, and we're trying to figure out what should we do? So this is this, this is like a thing that we're struggling with. So I would love your th- opinions as my best friend. And I'd also love the people that are watching, all 14 of you. And according <laughs> to this, Samantha Johnson's watching 77 times in a row. I don't know why my thing's always doing that. <laughs> She's a big fan. <laughs> yes. And it looks like my wife's logged on too. I love you. Um, do we do a family trip as as like mom and dad? Or do we do husband and wife trip? You, I mean, you didn't even think about that. Nope, didn't think
1: about it at all. Tell me why. Because it's an opportunity for the two of you to celebrate each other. If you want to do a family thing, you know, have a dinner. It's like before or after, or or don't go out. You know, you may maybe you don't plan your trip exactly on your anniversary. Yeah. But, well, no but, birthday. I mean, it's I'm on your birthday. Sorry, no. but um, oh, that's right. So, um, but I think it, it, it's both of you turning fifty. It's kind of like a special anniversary thing. Yeah. I think you just do. I, I just think you just do it. The two of you. Now, now, when's when's Michelle's birthday? February. So you do one trip in February, and one trip in May.
0: We're thinking about <laughs> one big trip.
1: I know. I know. I'm just kidding.
0: And I mean. And- I... And one of the destinations that was on the list was London, and I Yo. was told you were the guy.
1: Oh man, I love, love, love London.
0: I know your what wife said. Um, you mean you might be thinking about London, and you haven't talked to your friend? Uh, he's like the guy for London. Duh. I'm. I'm not the guy. We've he been there. You're the guy. I've. We've been
1: there. Two or three times.
0: I've been there zero times
1: we, we, um, it was funny. We, when my son graduated from high school, we did a big family trip to Europe for like three weeks. And, um, we started out in London and I always thought London, I, that was like on the start of the trip. I, I was like, that was like sort of like my least, I I was not, it's like, whatever, London's fine. Um, and as a, you know, as, as a, as an Indian man who was oppressed by the British for you know a few hundred years, felt like uh, whatever. And you know you go to the London, you go to the British Museum, and it's really the stuff we stole from other people. Museum, but I just loved, we just loved London so much that we, yeah. um, you know, we went back a couple more times just because we loved it so much. Um, you know the British aren't known for their food, but London's got great a great food scene. Oh, um, and then if you like history at all, of course Europe is just in general amazing. But obviously there's some great history in London. But it's just yeah. that it's, I mean, it, it's just a hopping, energetic city. I mean, I like I like Manhattan
0: too. Um, so I you said about that. I like that. I.
1: I I really, we really enjoyed London. Josh Chan saying uh, Rome. Yeah, I've never been to Italy. Italy's on our list of places we want to check out. Hmm. Uh, so I think Rome would be fun. I think Rome would be kind of crazy. Um, can can be a little bit crazy. What's interesting is um, I talked to my wife about Paris because this is our, our, we're trying to figure out where to go in August because it's our 30th wedding anniversary.
0: Oh, you got to go somewhere.
1: And um, well, we're going to go to the Michigan-Washington football game for part of part of that trip.
0: What, what a great way! To, is it going to is that going to kick it off?
1: I don't know yet. We have to figure that out. Our, our anniversary is on the thirty first, and Michigan plays Washington on like the sixth. <laughs> um, so we can't do a trip because we're already planning to go to Michigan-Washington. So, um, uh, so we talked, I was like, "Do you want to go to Paris?" She's like, "Nah, not really." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> Um, on my 50th we went to um iceland
0: oh i they're this this uh this echo thing is getting on my nerves really bad and i can't figure it out especially can't figure it out on the fly i've been using this whole new setup on zoom and front teams and friends and whatever else and it's been fine um but i've been seeing that all over facebook they're trying to do like these round trips for like 499 or something like that.
1: Right, cuz they have the direct flight from Portland to Iceland over the North Pole. Yes. And it's only like 6-hour flight. I mean in like so we went for a long weekend um for my 50th birthday.
0: Now was it good food? Like was it everything you thought? Was it like It was
1: we it was very cool. We would go back. Hmm. We w- we went for a few days. Reykjavik is kind of not, Reykjavik is not very big, okay. um, and you can walk around there. Really, Iceland's super safe. The only crime they have is tagging, like there's a ton of graffiti. Everything okay. gets tagged, but okay. other than that, it's safe. The people are super nice. Um, one of our tour guides uh, was actually actively practicing the Norse religion, oh, and, wow. which was kind of neat because he was telling me a little bit about it. because uh, I. Weird. I grew up. This was like a young dude.
0: Um, no, By I mean the religion.
1: Oh well, the, the the Norse religion, so the Vikings, yes. like Odin and Thor. Yeah. So I, because I grew up loving like Greek and Norse mythology, and so I, I especially Norse mythology, so I was like totally blown away. But yeah. the, um, if in my Facebook page, there's a bunch of pictures from when we went to Iceland, just I'll the waterfalls, and the geysers. So I, Iceland would be great. Uh, i i think you can, you know i re- i really think there's just so many places that you can't you can't go wrong but but we love absolutely adore london um the museums are fantastic the food is great the people are are cool we did we did do a day trip to stonehenge it was a long day it was it was it's like a four hour three hour drive to, to stonehenge
0: well and it's just like a little it's just right there right like it's
1: it's it's yeah. I mean, well, the, the, it's impressive. There's so definitely, and I'm not a, I'm, I don't, am i I'm not a particularly like religious or, or even though I like science fiction and fantasy, I'm not a, like, I don't believe in a lot of hocus pocusy stuff, but there's, there's definitely a weird energy there. That is for sure. Really? And when we were there, there were some druids like doing some kind of ceremony and we thought that was kind of hilarious actually. But uh, yeah, London is great. Um, there's a direct flight in the summer now. We almost went to London. We almost went to London last year because Michigan was playing Kentucky in London. Oh, wow. And then of course, COVID happened.
0: Of course. <laughs> Tim suggested uh in the chat that we go to Australia. I don't hate that. Never been to Australia.
1: Would love to go.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty good.
1: We were going to go to New Zealand um, because my daughter was supposed to study abroad in New Zealand.
0: Oh, I vaguely remember that.
1: Yeah, she was. She's, she would be there now, but because of COVID, they canceled all study abroad.
0: Situation. The, the situation. Yeah, speaking yeah. of that, let's hit this news uh, so you can ditch your mask, apparently.
1: Totally, maskless, everywhere. Doesn't matter who you are or what you are. <laughs>
0: Seems fraught with danger. Oh, and by the way, do you want to talk about your communication with the National Institutes of Health today? I mean, you just want to throw that out there?
1: I mean, I did I did email Fauci and say, did you want to come on the incredibly popular second shift Yeah. and thank first responders yeah. as part of EMS week? And I got an auto response basically saying, oh. I'm too busy. Oh, (laughs) no, I didn't admit it. But then this morning I got an email, a direct email from the deputy director of the NIH asthma or the allergy Institute. Um, Just basically direct addressed to me said, thank you for a very, very kind offer. Unfortunately he's just way too busy, but it was, it was not like, I got the auto response last night. (laughs) Okay. But I did get, I get his, dep- I I I ranked at least a, a an in-person response yeah, from the deputy nice. director that's of, cool. uh, 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 and I looked him up. He's like an old thoracic surgeon dude. So, <laughs> so um, that, that was cool. It would have been, uh, it would be, it would be interesting. Sam says that she's not ditching him the mask until Fauci ditches his. Well, what's interesting and what made me email him is I heard him on a On a podcast that I listen to called Pod Save America. It's a little bit of a, it's a, it's a, it's a lefty podcast for people like me. Um, but I heard him on there and he said that he, uh, he is no longer wearing his mask in certain situations indoors. Basically, in his office where he knows everybody of his staff is vaccinated, he's no longer wearing a mask. But, I think what was really interesting about his take on this was that the CDC recommendation, not mandate, was basically, it wasn't a mandate to remove masks. It was a recommendation to say when you are, when certain people are okay to not wear masks. And I think it's a little bit of a different message, right? it's one thing to, you know,
0: I was just going to say, it seems like, It seems like every time there's a CDC recommendation or something, it gets completely blown out of proportion. People take it the wrong way. And it's just crazy. It wreaks havoc on the workplace. It wreaks havoc on businesses. Like, it is so confusing for people. What the hell are people supposed to do, you know?
1: Well, I think part of it is that people want to read these there's a very natural tendency to read these things the way you want to. You know what I mean? I mean, like people are like, I don't want to wear this mask anymore. I want to go back to normal. And this thing says I can, yeah. which isn't what it says. You know, I, I mean, I think for instance, it's misguided for businesses to say, well, you know, we're removing our mandatory mask policy um, and we just trust you to, 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 because, that's
0: a great idea.
1: but you know, come on, really? Do you really think that the, that there aren't people in the public who are gonna lie?
0: Yeah, I've already seen the the posts. right.
1: right. Have, have yeah. you ever taken care of a patient in the back of an ambulance? <laughs> of course people are gonna lie. and I think that's so I think that's a little bit misguided. Yeah, I also think we're you know this idea that we're done, we're not done, but we're close. We're getting there. We're getting there, and I, I think I think get the shot. You know, I think one of the thing one of the things though that's that this this guidance it hit last Thursday. It it took everybody by surprise. Yeah, like when that when they when they changed the guidance for outdoor stuff like three weeks ago. Yeah there were rumors for like a week and a half that this was coming and everybody was like, this is coming, this is coming, they're working on, this is coming. And I think a lot of people were sort of prepared. Um, there were the kind of usual places that I get my rumor. I nobody was saying anything Hmm. like this is coming. And then all of a sudden on a Thursday, like that day started here. I started hearing, okay, there's some stuff coming down tonight. And then it came out that night. Um, and it also feels really sudden. And I've heard some people, you know, what was the, some people were like, well, what was the big scientific breakthrough? And I think the reality is that people think that science works like there's this magical big breakthrough and everything gets changed. And what we know from, if you, if you listen to, to Jeff on lighthouse, or if you, listen to us talk about sort of changing healthcare, it's all very incremental. And I think what was going on here was that there was, there was increasing evidence, you know, that it worked against the variants. There was increasing evidence, because that's one piece, right? If, 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 you know, there are variants out there and, and the vaccine doesn't work, Um, then you're kind of ho, then you got to, you got to still, I think there was increasing evidence that it works against variants. There was increased evidence and I haven't read that particular paper, but there was increasing evidence that the, that the asymptomatic spread seemed to be arrested by vaccination. Okay. And I think what was driving masking all along was asymptomatic spread. Mm. And then there was a paper that the CDC published Friday morning in which they followed um, uh, healthcare workers longitudinally and, and tested them seriously, Seri- serially, also seriously, but ser- <laughs> serially. And, you know, if you remember how the Pfizer and the Moderna studies that we covered in, in previous episodes, mm-hmm. they didn't test the the cohorts. You either got the shot, then they didn't, then you didn't and they just followed you if you got sick or not. So in this study, they tested people serially and they found that it was about 94%, they were about 94% effective, that being vaccinated meant that you didn't test positive. 90, you were 94% less likely to test positive during this time frame. And I think, I think that was probably the final kind of straw and I think they had that data and were using that because they published that the very next morning, oh, in yeah. in in the in the MMWR. And well, I think it was just an accumulation of stuff. But I think that what happened was, is it dropped? It, it caught people by surprise. Yeah. And and we still don't know what to do with the healthcare setting, right? I mean, we still need to wear masks all the time in the hospital. You know, when we're taking care of patients. Uh, and things like that. so, But it was definitely a kind of a big change.
0: Indeed, it was. Yeah. It creates a lot of confusion, and people are, I don't know. It's a whole thing.
1: Well, I mean, we're trying to work through it right now, you know, in our two counties and our fire departments. And yeah. I was just on a phone call with Mr. Mail. Hopefully, he's listening. Um, and I'd be interested if people put it in the chat as to what, if any of their agencies – Have changed any policies based on this?
0: Yeah, throw it in there.
1: But but we, you know, what does that mean for you know? They they said this doesn't apply to a healthcare setting. So here's a great question: I have a question for you. (laughs) Is an ambulance that doesn't have a patient in it a healthcare setting?
0: Hmm.
1: If you're if you're posted and you're sitting in the Fred Meyer Kroger parking lot waiting for your next call, and you and your partner are vaccinated, are you sitting in a healthcare setting? I'm gonna say no. You're gonna say no?
0: Yeah, what was that weird delay?
1: I was reading, I just was,
0: oh. I was um, is my, looking is at my the, i not even working now, like I was like, what the heck? So in that specific <laughs> circumstance that you gave, Partners are there, vaccinated. Yeah, no. As soon as they go okay. on a call, they should put a mask on, just like always. And you know, I don't think that's. I mean, I could be wrong. I'd love to see what people in the chat talk about, but like if you're not if you're not on a call and you're you and your partner are vaccinated, personally, this is all Mikey V's opinion only, and not on the job, not FlightBridge, not Clackamas, not anybody. It's all my opinion. You're probably good. But I mean, it doesn't change the fact that when you go on a patient, you're still gonna want to wear a mask for crying out loud. And and ninety five yeah. with that. I don't know if that ever is gonna go away. Is that ever gonna go away? Like we talked in the past and we said there'll probably never be a time where we need to have at least a face covering on when we go on a call. And it's is that the worst thing ever on your short call? I mean, if it's a short, I'm assuming. I mean, don't don't crucify me here in the chat. But like you know. You're on a 20 minute call. Can you not wear a face covering? I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's.
1: Here's what I know for sure. (laughs) Um, Anybody who has a respiratory complaint or a fever or nausea, anything that might be infectious. Yes. We are masked forever. I totally agree. And and, you know, actually that was gonna be my question for if we had Fauci, that would be my question. I'm like moving forward, let's say the pandemic's ending what would you recommend for ppe in this in in an undifferentiated undifferentiated setting the question is and i and and we can't you know the 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 data is actually super clear that the most important mask is the one on the patient Hmm. um that it's it's actually much more effective to put a mask on them than you but but so we can't lose sight of that too i think that if if the patient can like now if the patient can tolerate it and they have any type of complaint that what that could be infectious they should definitely be wearing a mask the real question is how far does that extend and does that extend to all calls will patient will we be wearing a face mask and we be expected our patient to be face masked on a slip and fall on a um, you know on a non medical comp- on a more, more of a traumatic complaint yeah. or yeah. injury complaint.
0: Well, it'll be interesting because I I, I got to tell you, if we were to go back six months from r- ago and we, and we've had this conversation. um, Yeah, exactly. Sam, just threw it in the chat. It seems like that the mask is going to just be part of the new gloves and eye protection. This is like, yeah, that's just kind of what we're I don't, I'm not necessarily saying an N95, but, potentially some kind of a face covering is just going to sort of be the way it is. I think so. I think the other question is to me the
1: bigger the bigger challenge in EMS frankly is the is the gown mm. you know and and I think the gown and the especially if you're going to wear full Tyvek you know that 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 delays care, and and I think there are still going to be times where it's appropriate. Like I think, especially like a vomiting and diarrhea kind of situation. Short of that, yeah.
0: Um, Osterman brings up a good point. He says can we go back to just wearing a mask one time. and <laughs> getting.
1: We have it. it. I mean, we have. Yeah.
0: I I am not sure that there's a. I mean, and I guess this you know, this is back to the old one EMS system is one EMS system, but I don't think there's a shortage on stuff anymore, right? Yeah. We've gone back.
1: I mean, my, so what I'm understanding is happening, at least in my, my agencies is that, that, you know, cloth masks are still being worn when you're not doing patient care, um, but they're changing masks now between patients.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And what I do in the emergency department, we have like, we have, we do have patients that we put on like special precautions that, and it's, and it's like to any, any complaint that could be COVID or any other infectious disease. And for those now we're wearing, I'm still wearing a N95 and we're pitching them after we go in the room. Yeah. But I do still wear, I have to wear like a surgical mask the whole time. And I don't ditch that after every interaction with somebody.
0: Not that I, not that I hate this uh, situation talk here because it's hot,
1: but it's, Situation talk.
0: It is situation talk. So I want to move on to something that's sort of related to that. We did not talk about this beforehand. So and, and so, please uh, don't feel like I'm putting you on the spot for this. But we got to put you on. We, well, we we got to see our cares data for 2020. And I think, like most people that keep track of their cardiac arrest. By the way, if you're just jumping on, happy EMS week. Thanks for joining us.
1: Happy EMS week. And happy stop the bleed day.
0: Stop the bleed day, Ritu got a gold star for that already. But anyway, we got our cares data from 2020, and we were sort of nervous. Is that true? No, nervous, Uh, anxious about it because we knew we thought. Well, we thought we knew. I'll tell you what I thought. I thought we. It felt like we had a lot more cardiac arrests, which we did. Not as many of them walked out of the hospital alive. It felt like people wouldn't engage and do bystander CPR. It felt like a lot of things. And what did our data show? What did our data show?
1: Um, We had our bystander CPR rate didn't change.
0: Which I can't believe. And by the way, our good friend, Josh Santos jumping in.
1: Oh, sweet, Joshy. Good to see you. Our our survival dropped only a few points.
0: Yeah, I just can't believe it. Um,
1: But I will tell you that another County that I work with had much, a much bigger drop in survival. Hmm. And if you read the cares national report, which is available to the public. So if you Google cares, annual report, Google, there was a significant drop, I think overall nationally in cardiac arrest survival. So I think we, I was very pleasantly surprised that we didn't like tank it. Yeah. Uh, We were actually, we were lower than the year before, but. We had, if you go back five or six years, we were still better than that. Yeah. Uh, and our numbers were higher than the last few years, but we had a very weird year four years ago where people were just falling over dead, like left yeah. and right.
0: Yeah. It was, what ext- was that, 2016? No, when was that? When we had that big I, spike? I man? can't, I think 16 sounds about right. Maybe yeah, seven. It was unbelievable. Like it was, a th- seemed like half again as many, a third as many, more. I don't know. It's crazy. But it was good. Yeah. I'm curious. Has anyone out there that's watching around? Have you checked your CARES data? Do you participate in CARES Cardiac Arrest Registry for Enhanced Survival? And
1: I if you not. don't, you should for for two reasons. It helps you because you you learn your data. You yeah. learn what's happening in your system. You learn how you're improving your you the, you're improving your community. Yeah. Um, right. And, and that then and then helps. It helps the country though, too. Oh, for sure. Because, because as cares data gets more complete, policymakers can start utilizing that data for decision-making such as, what do you mean all these people die? Yeah. That, you know, that probably shouldn't die. Huh? Maybe we should fund more research. And you know, we had that big spike in rock funding and I think we've dropped off a little bit. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, well, it's good. Jay- Jay-Z says, wake at 119 survivors. That's awesome. Spectacular work by uh, Jose Cabanas and the and the gang.
0: What's his name again?
1: Jose Cabanas.
0: I just know you like saying Cabanas. Cabanas. And sometimes he jumps on here. Yeah, he does.
1: I don't know where he's He's great. We should I... have him as a guest. He's fantastic. We should. My, he's uh... much better than the previous medical director, Brent
0: Myers. <laughs> Oh, my god! Oh, that's funny. My chat was way off. I wasn't seeing anything that Jay-Z put in there. I don't, I don't oh, really yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Every time we go live, it's like a big giant shit show. I don't get so it. I, and,
1: I, and I think the question, too, is, you know, I think one of the problems, not problems, I think one of the difficulties with CARES, of course, is going to be when you get your data and you see fluctuation, you know, it's hard to know what's driving it. Uh, and I think we're kind of, we're lucky enough to be moving into that next step of getting more granular data. Uh, and you know, the King, the place that does that the best is Seattle. And they've done it that way for 45, 50 years. Uh, you know, where they are, where every single cardiac arrest is abstracted and they have like how many, you know, to the really almost to the compression and to the breath. And, um, Counts and her team can can feed that information to Michael and Sayer. We've never
0: had Counts on here, by the way. I think we actually have a long time ago.
1: I don't know, but you know, if we ever, I think having another sort of kind of data, you know, tips to how you can use your own data. I think Counts, and I think she hired Rachel Stemmerman. She did. Um, and uh, man, we missed that an opportunity there. I there'll think there'll Rachel, Rachel, you there. would have been happier in Portland, but I didn't have a job for you yet. Um, although I might be working on that. Um, but that's a pretty formidable team, having Counts and Stemmerman on the same yeah. same team. Those are two people that are just amazing. Well,
0: and that was Yeah, another... we should
1: try to get Counts on board here. We've had McCoy on from there.
0: Yeah, we got um, him in
1: yeah we can make well, it happen but you know I, I just had a call with her the other day. It was good to see her.
0: I was talking to uh well talking well Jay-Z and I we were on a webinar today that our old friend this old house number one fan Peter Anthevy was doing an EMS week presentation. It was all you know CPR, cardiac arrest, how to get more survivors so the usual stuff but a place not too far from here and I wish our friend Amber and Peter Hussick were on here. I know Amber pops on a lot of times, but I think they might be busy doing stuff. She's been entertaining Jarvis, and we never co- we couldn't connect, which is a bummer. But anyway, the point is, they were talking about what an amazing da- job Deschutes County Bend Fire has been doing with their telephone dispatch-assisted CPR TCPR, and we got to hear some examples of like it's it's just amazing. Like this is probably really intuitive to the people that are watching, but you know that little piece is amazing, right? The no, no, go. As simple as that sounds, right? But it's hard. It's hard to do. It. It's hard to implement that. Um, and they made some great cases about the reasons why dispatch centers aren't able to kind of pull this off, right? We don't have enough staffing. We don't have the money. We don't have a QA person. We don't have. We don't have all these things. And and I thought Peter did a great job of 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 saying, well, just review the calls, right? And listen to them. And you know, of course there were actual calls on here. Some of them are heartbreaking to listen to. You you just sit there and cringe because you hear these callers basically telling you that their loved one is in cardiac arrest. But we're asking questions that in that circumstance don't seem to matter. And y'all know every minute that goes by and unsupported cardiac arrest, 10% for every minute, right? Yep. And so to hear this two minute, two minutes rambling about, well, what's their color? What's your house? Is the door online? Like, it's like, we need to get these people on the floor. But but specifically, this is why I wanted to ask you one thing because um, I got into a discussion in the chat because they were talking about, you know, big reasons why people don't necessarily do CPR. uh, Like I find my wife, whatever, and I can't get them off. The more reasonable example, actually, I guess, would be one that I hear all the time. Wife finds husband in the chair, in the bed, can't get them on the floor. Or they're on the floor, they can't get them rolled over to even attempt to do CPR. And so the suggestion was made was just to do CPR on their back, to do CPR in a chair where you find them. And... I don't, that doesn't makes no sense to me. Like, we're, we're we're, like, and so me and Tom Muthale, we're having a little discussion. It was very civil. I mean, I guess he convinced me sort of. I love you, Tom, if you're watching, I don't think he is. But how is that an effective intervention? He says, well, it's probably better than nothing. Do you think, do you think it is? Do you think the 80 year old trying to do CPR in, on her husband sitting in a recliner is better than nothing, the one caveat, she would probably feel better that she had t- tried something. So I, 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 I get that. But if you're talking from a, an effective intervention, how is doing CPR on a sitting person in a recliner gonna do anything? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I, think, I th- actually think that in the recliner may be more effective than still on the bed. Because the recliner seems to be a little bit of a firmer surface. Um,
0: You've never sat in a cushy, lazy boy.
1: I mean, I have a nice recliner. I mean, I'm not a—I don't—I don't don't work in a fire station, so I don't have the cushiest of the recliners. Oh, that was bad. I should never. Yeah. Why are you doing that?
0: By the way, if you're in the chat, uh, what do you think? You think doing an 80-year-old woman doing CPR to somebody on a chair with one hand is an effective intervention? I don't know. Up and down, inner thoracic pressure, better than not. How much pressure is the 80-year-old lady gonna provide? Like I think it's bull crap. I can't
1: help well, it. but I, that's the same whether they get her she they get them on the floor, or it doesn't matter where at that point. And then yeah, so I mean, you're right. Um
0: <laughs> Once the tips over, a posterior precordial thump. That's a good one, Gary. Maybe it does. That's a good one, Gary Arbuckle. Yes, yeah. that is
1: a post. The recliner tips over. It's a posterior. Uh, I do think that. I mean, I think the idea. Remember, it's about intrathoracic pressure. I think if you can provide some, it's probably better than nothing. But here's the caveat too: early. You know, sure. I think when you've got some oxygen in the sy- that's in the system, getting something to move is probably a better than nothing. What, is it as good as it. effective compressions? Well, of course not. We, we, we know from other data that stopping, you know, we, we, we choreograph our cardiac arrest to the compression, right? So we know that big pauses and things like that definitely impact survival. So I'm sure it's is it as good as good CPR? No. Is it better than no CPR? Maybe. Yeah. I don't think we're ever going to have a randomized controlled trial of like shitty you know, CPR you know, versus versus yeah. no CPR. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Physiologically probably not much help. Psychologically probably helpful. Okay, fine. Am I just a red <laughs> ass in my old tw- Age here? I I mean, I don't know.
1: It's very important that you do the one-handed compression and tell the kids to get off the
0: lawn, apparently. That's what I used to do. That was what I did. (laughs) Our old friend Brian Lee Big checking in. It takes 10, at least 10 compressions of proper CPR to build up enough pressure to achieve anything useful. Agree, let alone proper perfusion. I feel like at best, it helps the loved one feel like they were able to do something instead of just calling and hoping people, praying people get there quickly. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree, but but that's like, you know, (laughs) okay, yes. And I think the
1: biggest factor from the CARES report in not doing CPR is in fact the they can't move them. That's the biggest barrier. And in the refusing to do it or or even the other thing that you hear people, oh, they're they're probably going to be way too distraught, like people who don't understand telephone CPR, that's one of their arguments against it: that too distraught to do it is actually a very small percentage, um, and so in fact, um, it's not much of a barrier at all.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, there's a a newer piece to the CARES data reporting, which is which I sent you because for whatever reason, yep. it it didn't ring a bell to me, and that's actually a dispatch piece. Excuse me about the CPR. So it's a piece that they go in there. Yep. Put in how long was it until our first compression, you know, all these different little data points that I think are super important, right? Yeah. From a from a dispatch perspective.
1: And it's an it's an optional module, but and it's very new. Yeah. But I think it's you know, we're just getting it. I mean, I think we had 10 cases like last year in yeah. our county. Um, but but we have our our um dispatch center is put more effort into quality improvement and has hired a couple people and they're putting they're putting they're starting to put that data in so we'll have better and i think once they start putting it in we'll report back on it too
0: Yeah. because i
1: think uh, again if you're going to put data in if we don't use it then it's wasting everybody's time
0: yeah and i think i think that's the biggest piece when you talked about nationally right how it helps the country having this data all in one place imagine i'm in a maybe a smaller you know town hard to believe smaller than can where i live but and maybe you're trying to get telephone cpr initiated how great of an asset to you as maybe the champion of doing that is to be able to have some data that shows a correlation yeah. of survival and telephone CPR, which clearly there is. Clearly. Right? right.
1: Or or how great is it that that Congress sees that and maybe puts some funding towards it? So especially in you know, you know, in rural areas or that that makes up some grant funds available to do yeah. sort of an initial kickoff and and, and training and that sort of thing and then allows them to to move to a a a, 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 a dispatching system that includes pre-arrival instructions now that there, there are actually many big cities that don't yet have pre-arrival instructions which yeah. is terrible um but you know these are things that we know that saves lives and and having the data to prove that I think is really helpful yeah
0: couple things I just want to talk about today. Again, happy EMS week for those of you that- Happy EMS week. Yep, yeah. Oh, and somebody asked what we were drinking and we totally skipped over that. Oh, I didn't see that one. Yeah, so we need to talk just real quick. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Tell us about that little bottle you got there, buddy.
1: Yeah, so I'm having a rye and diet or I like to call it a riot, but this is a Stein Distillery rye and Stein Distillery- is a tiny little distillery in eastern oregon that um they opened a tasting room in beautiful lake oswego because they ain't no dummies and (laughs) i went in there the other day and just talked to that to the manager and my understanding is that there it's basically eastern oregon which is very rural like over like exceedingly very rural yeah very big very wide open spaces and and that they grow their own grains. Soon to so be this part is, of greater Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's for another one. I just saw some interesting, funny tweets about that today. <laughs> but but uh, um, so they grow their own grains there and then use their own grains as to, to distill the, the, the different liquors that they make. And they make... Um, the guy said that their biggest selling seller is a bourbon. Bourbon's very hot right now, as you yeah. all know, and yeah. I certainly have gotten more into bourbon. But we've recently started enjoying rye yeah. a lot more. Yeah. And he said that you know bourbons are most of their hottest seller, but they started with rye, and they actually their first thing they made was a rye vodka hmm. because you don't have to distill vodka very long you know oh. nobody goes out to buy the 20-year vodka right That's true you know with vodka it's like was this a good week and um so they started making by r- rye vodka but anyway and they said that their rye is what they're really is their and what their distiller love stein distillery and you and i will be going to a tasting there at some point That's good. Uh,
0: hopefully we can have the stein distilling
1: second shift there you go we, Second we, shift brought to you by Stein Distillery. Yeah, we're still
0: looking for that sponsor. Do you guys have a lead on any sponsors out there?
1: Like we just want <laughs> free shit. I mean, really. Right. Great and great it thing. can't it can't be a sponsor that has like a conflict of interest, which yeah. is so, yeah. so yeah. it can't actually be an EMS sponsor. <laughs>
0: yeah. We can have like Physio Controller, striker be our sponsor. That'd be cool. ESO, I'd love that, but it just gets weird. It's weird because I choose. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So mm-hmm. we can't do that. So it's going to yeah. be Stein Distillery, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, I mean, we couldn't get McMenamins to bite.
0: Man, those people. And you know what? The thing is, Jarvis has been staying out of McMenamins. And I think oh, really? they're stay at Edgefield tomorrow. Oh, are they? Yeah. Well, I pointed them towards that because they're like their big McMenamins fanboys. They love the poor service. Uh, which is, so I, went to McMan- I went
1: to our local McMenamin's the other day and g- had great service. Pandemic done changed the McMenamin's model because
0: <laughs> we had great service. That's cool. <laughs> the other piece I wanted to talk about, real quick, is since it is the Stop the Bleed Day or Save a Life Day, I just want to check how many of you that are watching right now are Stop the Bleed instructors? Have you gone on to stopthebleed.org, checked it out, signed in as an instructor? In fact, I know you are, Ritu, because I have video evidence of you and one Ed Rock teaching Stop the Bleed class down at the state uh, of Jefferson Southern World Oregon conference like three years ago, two years ago, 10 years ago. I don't know. He was
1: just trying to, he was just trying to impress his girlfriend. I don't know if she was his girlfriend then. That, maybe that was it. She saw him teach Stop the Bleed and that was all, all it. True. I
0: True. I <laughs> see Osterman. He is one. So if not, you should definitely go check out StopTheBleed.org. Learn how you can help serve your community by by giving these great stop-the-bleed courses, right? They're easy to do. Everything is provided to you, and they have really made it super easy for instructors, right? Like you can be a veterinarian. You can be a, a CNA. You just have to have – you can be a dentist, for example. But go out there and learn and take this out to your community, right? This isn't like – like this is big stuff this is important for, for us to be able to get out into our communities and be able to teach these skills. <clears throat> now there is obviously there's a hands on portion. You, you, so you got COVID and this I mean, situation stuff, situation. Here. but you know, you can do a lot of this virtually, right? So you can demonstrate how to do this. So it's super important. You know, I did mine probably three or four years ago, right? When it first, well, God, when did you go to the white house for this? Didn't you go to the White House for Stop the Bleed? I swear to God, you did. I did, I went to the White House for Stop the Bleed and and me and Heavy were there. Yeah, was it like 2017, 18, 17? When was that? That was a long time ago.
1: It was... um, (laughs) You
0: don't know. I don't know. know. I have to look through my
1: Facebook pictures of me at the White House.
0: Anyway, the point is, super important, great service that you can provide. Again everything is canned. They give you a great PowerPoint they give you you can fill out a certificate for people and people love certificates like I mean this amazing right? suitable for framing yeah suitable for framing exactly if you've got reasonable handwriting um, so that's kind of a big deal and it is amazing that once people get this this simple training, and they have a little bit of knowledge, they can go out there and make a huge difference, right? And maybe it's not gonna be the big active of violent event. Maybe maybe it's just gonna be a home accident. Maybe it's gonna be somebody that's a neighbor that's on dialysis and nicks their, you know, shunt on a corner of a cabinet or something like that, right? Like, have you ever been on that call? Let me tell you. <laughs> it's, it's a straight up murder scene and yeah, it's bad.
1: Right. <laughs> you walk in and it looks like a murder scene. Exactly.
0: Awesome. I, mean, I mean, EMS week should be celebrating and really highlighting the work that is done in our communities every day. You know, I wish we could celebrate EMS week in a more and just like most people, <clears throat> probably in a more formal way. Get out there, do some barbecues, give some people some food, you know, sort of played out. But, you know, I there, uh, there's one thing that I, I miss about. EMS week, and that was getting up at 2.30 in the morning, getting to work early, getting that griddle fired up, making hash browns, taking care of them night crews that are coming, they're like, man, I just... And, you know, people poo-poo that kind of stuff. But deep down, I know that they appreciated old Mikey V on the skillet, making them browns, getting that bacon crispy for him. You know what I mean? I mean, I think they did.
1: I think people enjoy that. I think people like to be appreciated yeah you know, I think I think there's a reason why Ted Lasso says I appreciate you to people in a sincere, meaningful way. yeah, um, and I think people want to be appreciated. They don't want to be uh pandered to, oh, you know, thank you for all you do. you know, they want people to be sincere about yeah. the appreciation. Uh, you know it's so funny the um yeah, I mean the other the other the other county that I do, their ambulance crew. Um, our buddy Sean, Sean Wood, who many of you know or may not know, actually, that Sean, before he became a paramedic, was a chef. Or Indeed. A, and so he made, he would make the EMS Week stuff for them. And I'm like, we are going to Metro West EMS Week <laughs> thing because Sean had made brisket. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Robert Lawrence and Jacob Brackley. What's up, Jacob? Good to see you, bro. One of our local guys. But I think the other thing, though, too, that you need to point—that I think your "Stop the Bleed" points
1: out. Yeah. Um. Gosh, you know, I we made a, we talked about the situation a little bit, and we talked about the whole masking thing. Yeah. But the reality is, it's time to freaking start planning for to go back to what we used to do, and whether it's you know we've had a lot of uh, we've had a couple of big deployments of like projects and stuff that have slowed down as a result of yeah. the situation. And oh, certainly God. vaccines have really, uh, and we're starting to, we shake off that rust and then start to, start to grow and improve again yeah. and and then start and plan on, um, interacting with your community. Cause you know, the, the goodwill is still out there. I think people, you know, I think people are tired of the, all of this, and you know, nobody's clapping their hands for healthcare workers at five o'clock anymore. But, but I think we still have good will out there, and I think yeah. it's an opportunity to get back out in the community. Um, you know, and I think, and I think the other piece too is that, again, we're, like I said, we're not done, and um, whatever you can do to ensure that your community is vaccinated is the other piece that I think we really need to do. Yeah. But. But it's time to get back out there. Yeah. And especially, you know, I mean, as a vaccinated individual, I feel comfortable, you know, re- re-reading some of the stuff that the CDC made their, their decisions on. I'm I'm pretty good with it. So I'd get out there and plan on making a difference in your community.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a huge thing. And 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 my boss, my friend Josh Santos says the community partners love the engagement, great opportunities to get in front of the people using and funding your services and he's absolutely I right. I think it's funny that Josh is your boss. It's not it's not that it's I used to be his boss. Well, but yeah, I don't he's my boss. The tables have turned. The tables have turned. But you know what? I got to tell you. In a public forum. This isn't ass kissing or anything weird. He's amazing.
1: He's well, I I, I just I don't ever think of, I think of Josh weird. as a leader. I would never think of Josh as somebody's boss because he would never be like that
0: well no he no would, he's not he's, he's not. being like
1: you're you're he's a leader
0: he is a different leader. we have a county with a five percent vaccine rate in ems what do you do then
1: you know i've heard i've heard of some places where the vaccination rate within the ems
0: is Gee, well below 50 ems oh that's what you're saying within the ems golly Yeah.
1: And, and I've, I've heard, I've talked to some people and heard some stuff where you have some EMS agencies with very low vaccine vaccination rates. And, and I I don't have an answer other than it's just very disappointing. Hmm. And it's, um, I look to, you know, I think we look to our EMS professionals to be leaders in our community and examples in our community. And part of that example is, making the world a better place and getting vaccinated. And, uh, you know, if you have questions about the safety of the vaccine, I can get that. I understand that. I don't, but we've reviewed that stuff up and down here. And this is way more studied than almost any other vaccine that's ever come out. Yeah. Uh, despite what people will say. Um, But um, if you think that COVID isn't that big a deal, cause it, 199.9% people survive then that's stupid you all need to <laughs> i mean we know we know that that communities can get overwhelmed and we know that the best way to get to a full michigan stadium is if if everybody's vaccinated if greater you know, and and i think you have a responsibility as a as a healthcare provider to be va- to to be vaccinated and i think Samantha Johnson just put a great put something in the chat. Mandatory vaccines are coming. Um hmm. I think she's right. I, I think you are Fart go- Church. I, I I think I mean so you know Delta has already put out that they will require every new hire to be vaccinated. They've decided not to terminate anybody for vaccination status, but they will not hire anybody who's not vaccinated. Um, and I think I think the thing that's been holding people back from, from requiring vaccination is the fact that it's technically, it's an EUA uh, and not, not um, final
0: FDA approval. So I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm famous for that. Yes, you are. Sorry. But, and you can come back to this, but I have to get it out because it just, it has to come out. I'm so sorry. You still love me, right? When when are these vaccines, Moderna, um, Pfizer, gonna not be EUA? When, what, well, is, I hear that was actually the next thing you know. I was
1: gonna say. So you didn't interrupt me at all. Okay. So okay. the so that so Pfizer's already put out a release that they are very soon to planning um, plant to to putting in their their approval for for final approval. And the reason why that, you, you know, their whole process was planned with the FDA from the beginning. And so they, they, you can't, the FDA will not give approval, final approval, until a study is completed. And so they, Pfizer, and reported. So Pfizer had not fully completed the study because the original design of the study called for six months of data and if you may recall when we approved cool. this in december we didn't have 6 months of data yep. so they now have 6 months of data they've completed the study and and they're compiling the final results and they'll they are planning very soon to apply for final approval the process to get final approval is a little bit more cumbersome and i mean one of the reasons why they went through EUA is because it put them to the front of the line which yeah. was super important at the time right but I do think, and it would be interesting. Um, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what Samantha has to say. But, but my miners, my I think that once you see the final approvals come down for Pfizer and Moderna and J J, that'll drive a lot of people to re-looking at their policies and potentially ca- causing. Yeah,
0: I mean, I couldn't, call, I couldn't calling
1: for mandatory vaccinations. I couldn't get an
0: working. EMS job unless I had my MMR and my tetanus and all the other little things. So, yeah, it'll definitely be curious. Well, and that's the other thing. You
1: know, I had a I had a a interesting conversation with a coworker friend in the EMS world today, and they said, uh, you know, they want the company wants to know my vaccination status, and I don't think it's legal. And I wrote back. I said it's absolutely legal. Your kids can't go to school without reporting on their vaccination status. It's been legal for years. HIPAA doesn't apply it's just the weird politi- politicization of this whole situation and i i believe that samantha johnson did an entire podcast about this
0: indeed uh, and i believe so, it's called the standard of care podcast damn it if you go out and listen to it by the way they got a new episode dropping probably early next week so stay tuned for that
1: yeah and uh Rob Lawrence, uh, who also has a great podcast, by the way. Indeed. if y'all are looking for a podcast, pointed out that universities are already saying no vax, no next semester. Yep. So that's um Oregon and Oregon State, all of the I think the public universities in Oregon have now yeah. said that to be on campus next fall, you have to be vaccinated. Yep. Indeed. I believe Michigan has said the same thing. Um I think Michigan has said that you have to be um, vaccinated to be a student on campus.
0: I'm super distracted by the chat right now. I'm actually cracking up. So we mentioned earlier, for those of you that maybe joined a little later, Dr. Jarvis is actually in Bend, Oregon, just about three hours from us. And we were wondering like, why aren't these guys on here heckling us? Well, they've decided to enter the chat. And apparently Jarvis has confiscated somebody's phone while they're in the bathroom and he's commenting. I think. If I right. It correctly. So it's cracking me up. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Um, Gosh, dang it. I had one or two other little things I was going to talk about. Oh, I remember fast 21. We were just in Nashville, Nashville, Bowling air, Green, Green, Kentucky air quotes. Yep. Bowling Green, Kentucky, fly to Nashville, drive an hour North. Although you didn't have to drive. You had a chauffeur as I recall. Yes, a
1: young man named Caleb Verkest (laughs) picked me up in a Cadillac Escalade. Me and one Chris Meeks. Yep. We also had the lovely and talented Michelle Verkest in the in the car with us,
0: providing all the conversation.
1: And we were four for four vaccinated people in our vehicle. Yep. So we removed our masks. That's so great. And um, had like a one hour, and then we 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 pulled right. We went right to the restaurant. Which, that was my first indoor restaurant in 14 months. It's a little nerve-wracking, yeah. to be quite honest. Yeah. But there was a good bourbon drink, which I pre-ordered by oh, yeah. texting you. What was it called again? I can't remember. I got to look through the text. It was
0: called a hammer of some kind. It was delicious, though. What was it? A bullet? Something. A bullet? Well, yeah, it was bullet bourbon. No, Yeah, I know. But then it was bullet was in the name of the drink. Oh, my God. Okay, I gotta read this text. I gotta read this text. Let me read this text. Can I read it? <laughs> so Jeff Jeff Jarvis just texted Ratu and I, and said, "Quote, Ratu, your hair. You look like a brown Ron Jeremy." <laughs> I'm literally dead. He said. By the way, I'm down with that. Oh my god, I'm literally dead right now. I'm literally dead right now. That is so funny.
1: <laughs> well, he wasn't there when we logged in, and I was doing the head banging thing.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, anyway, Fast Twenty One. Fast Twenty One was a this weird hybrid combo. We had a studio set up. At the headquarters of Jed. and we had certain speakers. Most most of them were Jed people, but not all of them. So Chris Meeks, Eric Bauer, you—if uh, Jeff Jarvis would have had his shit together and managed his schedule a little better, he would have been there. Uh, myself, uh, a few others. Anyway, so we had live live people, and Brandon Means, by the way, was the host with the most. Host. By the way, and he was awesome. Um, And then we also had people live, like via sort of webinar style, which we were trying to avoid if we could, because everyone's sort of done with that. And then we also had some pre-recorded videos where we really challenged people to up their production game a little bit. Right. Like, look, they've had 15 months to get their shit together. Let's like, let's not do a, and you know what? Everybody did amazing. So fast 21 virtual slash live was awesome. And. And if you missed it, you'll be able to go back. And I don't know how much it's going to cost, but you'll be able to watch the replays of these and get full caps. I think it's twelve hours. Um, And so, anyway, it's really, it's really awesome. We we had a great time. And but the point of talking about this was, Ritu and I, we were in the bullpen all day. Yes, we were. And we got called in. The lefty, the righty, whatever it was. And we got we got called in because there was a couple of like technological snafus that occurred so we just had to go in like bring in second shift most people probably won't like if you were watching for those of you that watch fast 21 throw in the chat there oh tune he didn't get to see it bill that's all right but eric bauer had pulled me out to run a quick errand <laughs> okay, and we uh, there were two speakers in front of when we and I were gonna go. we had to fill in Unfortunately, Sam and Nick couldn't make it down. So we got put in to sort of take their spot And I had like 40 minutes and all we had to do was run down down the block according to Eric Bauer uh, and grab something and man It was not down the block. And I got people texting me like, you guys are on in five minutes. Where are you at? Where are you at? P.S. Ritu and I had no idea what we were going to talk about. Am I lying? Nope. Not lying. Not lying. Like we were like, well, it's okay. We do this all the time. We can figure it out. It's no big deal. I get there three minutes to go. We go sit down. Boom. The camera's on live. And of course we killed it for 20 minutes. We had a great discussion on lots of different stuff. But you know what? And what happened was, Then we became the go-to. Like if there was a snafu, we need to fill in a thing. We got a break. We want to do some special segments on. By the way, we did a segment called Whose Lecture Is It Anyway? And it was awesome. So basically (laughs) the original intent, Jeff Jarvis, uh, was to have three people, three of us. So it was myself, Eric Bauer, and Jarvis to start with, pick three random pictures submit them to an independent third party who was going to then put them in a PowerPoint format. And we had three minutes to lecture on whatever that picture was. And we had no idea what it was going to be. And it was awesome. We really did that just to kind of fill a break because there was like a 40 minute break, just sort of built in for people to go to the, to the exhibitor area, see the sponsors. We got this whole like online virtual place for people to go see stuff. And anyway, and so we did that, and it was really great. And so what ended up happening was I got screwed, and I should. have No, won. I got screwed. No, I mean I, I got screwed. I should have won. I mean, let's. Just no, you shouldn't have won. It's bullshit. I should have won, and I think I did because there were people people voted on Twitter and they didn't get counted. Right. I mean, that's just the thing. Anyway. So Eric Bowery ended up winning and then what we decided to do was just throw it in the next day during a break because people absolutely loved it. They absolutely loved the fact that no one had any idea what the picture was going to be. And no idea. so really this is just an exercise of who can bullshit their way through three minutes and turn a picture of a a kangaroo can't walk backwards into some kind of a you know lecture for three minutes. And it's a lot harder than it seems. But I think we did both. I think we both did great. I think we all
1: did great. I think did. I think everybody. And then and then I, th- so we did it that even we did a second one that evening with Meeks, Alan Wolf. Yep. And who was the third one? Uh, um, Mark Betterton. Mark, yeah, Mark. And Meeks won that one, and then you had the showdown the next day between Meeks and Bauer.
0: There was no contest. Yeah, and I, and I personally got to pick the pictures for that, um, and there was no, there was no uh, coercion or anything like that. Me- Meeks whipped Bauer's ass, whipped it <laughs> like I'm talking, whipped his ass, Bobby. And I hope you're watching, but it was awesome. So this is what I'm thinking we should do for Fast 22. By the way, May 9 through 11 in Las Vegas and Lost Wages, Nevada. Yes, like it's set. We're, we're going like, unless the whole damn place burns down, be in Vegas a year from now. And I think what I would love to do is I would love to, to let people from the audience some way for them to volunteer to do this and then bring them up on the stage and go head to head against another audience member. And see who can, and see who could pull it off, and then sort of run the same thing. And we don't have to; we wouldn't necessarily interrupt like the flow, of the conference for that. But during a break, during lunch, like I mean, it was all awesome. that's interesting. And, and I think people had a people had a blast. So, Amber Dwayne, I, I thought
1: you, you right? were going to say let the audience like submit the slide. Like, so I, I saw Wayne, I saw Wayne Brady in Vegas once, his entire improv show, yeah. and basically his co-host came out before and asked for certain like some different topics and subjects and 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 like like one of them was like what is a name it name it specific like movie style and i yelled out bollywood of course right and they're like oh yeah yeah they wrote that down and then and so then they had stuff set up and then he had was going through them so I thought you were going to say have the audience submit no, either topics no, or pictures or
0: something like that. I want the audience. I want Amber and Liebig or somebody else to just jump up on the stage and 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 he's and Brian says that all EMS related. Well, the pictures are completely random. The they're, people, not random well, they're, they're not, not random, but they're not EMS pictures. But they have nothing to do with EMS. Right. Right. It could be uh, a, a. We had some that were a shark. We had a picture of a library. We had a picture of. Uh, um Gosh, what kind of things were there? What did I have on there? I had a I had I had a, I had a bowl of nuts, nuts, right? So you you have to figure out a way how to turn that picture of a bowl of nuts into a three minute topic about. I think EMI. I had a
1: llama's head. We
0: had a llama, and I'm trying to remember what my second one was. Oh,
1: soaker hose was yeah, the second one. Soaker hose, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. So anyway. Yeah, I I do think that. Whose lecture is it anyway? Will be playing, having some sort of appearance
0: at Fast Twenty Two in Las Vegas. Hundred percent. That's Twenty Two in Las Vegas. Fast Twenty Two in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm super excited. So for those of you that got to Fast Twenty One, I hope you used your promo code for Fast Twenty Two. Like it was, it's a smoking deal. It's a smoking deal. So picture pictures. Sam, I'm so stuck on. I'm so stuck on whose lectures anyway, but. Um, yeah, if you attended fast 21, you got just a little bit more time to use your promo code, right? So get in there and do that. And for the rest of y'all, those tickets will be on sale soon and you can start planning it may nine through 11. There's going to be some awesome. Uh, I mean, we're talking maybe some cadaver lab stuff for pre cons. That's going to be good. So definitely get a piece on your calendar, save the date, something, do something, but plan on being there. I'm excited.
1: I suspect there will be some second shift in that house. There better be.
0: Well, we've already talked about it. I think um, one of so we're going to be at, is it Planet Hollywood? Yeah. Planet, Planet Hollywood. And you should see the space we have reserved. Like, I mean, I don't want to get too crazy with this, but we basically have like a giant full-size bar that's ours. Like, it's just a giant area that we get to hang out, the, the meeting space itself is gonna be amazing. You know, Mikey V loves the AV lights and show. Like for me, the production value is very important. Like here we are talking about, gosh dang it, Fast 22 already, but I'm so excited, it's a year away. But like, like the production is very important to me. I don't want people to go, oh, I couldn't hear something. I like, mean, none of that's gonna happen. Like it is gonna be in your face, breaking the rules, lights shows shit it's gonna be awesome put it on your calendar anyway sounds good all right listen we said an hour and we're at an hour and 15. yeah my daughter's making dinner all right let's get out here on behalf of dr tussani mike for you've been watching and listening the second shift annual ems week and we are a proud member of the fiber podcast network and a fire dog production we will see you guys later happy ems week Thanks you thank you for all you do and we will talk to you guys soon
1: Second Shift is a production of FlightBridgeEd LLC at FlightBridgeEd.com.